Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. You know, we're created to be in relationship with one another. Relationship is what we're born into and it's what we create throughout our whole lives. Healthy relationships can be so rewarding. They can bring us fulfillment and empower us to be in the world in such meaningful ways. When relationships go beyond the superficial level, for example, those that agree to move into a more intimate realm, they depend and build their relationship upon an emotional connection rooted in trust. But a loving connection and a foundation of trust can be ruptured when a betrayal occurs. When we think of a betrayal, we commonly think of a partner having a sexual affair. And while this is one form of a betrayal with devastating effects, there are other types of betrayals that can also have relationally destructive results as well, including betrayal caused by pornography or compulsive and addictive sexual behavior. Here today to share with us about this topic is a return guest. I'm so happy to have her back, Dr. Stephanie Carnes. Stephanie is the president of the International Institute for Trauma and Addiction Professionals, a training institute and professional organization for addiction professionals. And she's a senior fellow for Meadows Behavioral Healthcare, where she works with couples and families struggling with sexual addiction. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist, a certified sex addiction therapist, and a leading authority in this field. Stephanie, it's so nice to have you back. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Hey, I'm so excited. Today we get to talk about your book, Courageous Love, A Couple's Guide to Conquering Betrayal, which provides a step-by-step guide to repairing a relationship, whether it's damage caused by infidelity, pornography, or compulsive and addictive sexual behavior. As we jump in, tell me what's behind writing this book. Well, thanks for asking, Graham. So I work in a a residential treatment setting, have for many years for people that have gotten in a lot of trouble with out-of-control sexual behaviors. And we work with all different kinds of problematic behaviors, but that includes pornography addiction, infidelity, certainly, compulsive sexual behavior disorder or sex addiction. And so we get a wide variety of behaviors And we work with the families. So we always invite the families in. And just over the years, I've just seen how devastating this is for the partners. Typically, their world is just shattered, blown apart. And they've experienced a a huge disruption in the trust. Because what typically happens with any kind of hidden sexual behavior is a process called staggered disclosure or a a staggered discovery process. So, you know, the partner will usually discover a bit of information and then a little bit more will come out and then a little bit more will come out over time and, and they'll confront and ask for more information and then more will come out. And so the partner is left with this inability to trust anything that that person says, right? And from the perspective of the unfaithful party, they're trying to do damage control by only giving some information, but it just completely destroys the trust in the relationship. So when you're working with these couples, it's, you know, these partners are devastated and the trust is destroyed. 
And so just seeing this over and over again with so many of the couples that I worked with, I just noticed a lot of patterns and uh, a lot of commonalities. And then I started noticing strategies that really worked for these couples. And courageous love is for couples that really want to save their relationships are really committed to trying to make it work because it's not easy and it takes a lot of commitment on the part of both parties. So that's what the book is all about. I love it. How long has it been in the writing or what? Oh gosh, probably realistically like 20 years. Is that right? Yeah. Just an accumulation of all the things you've been doing. Accumulation of gathering it. The strategies that I've found over time that really work. Really with good. these couples. Really yeah. good. You know, you were saying a, a moment as you were describing the impact of this, take us into this concept of betrayal and why it runs so deep within us with such devastating impact. Yeah. I think that it's one of the positions that I take in the book is that betrayal is a traumatic event. I call it betrayal trauma. And I think that for years, it was kind of under-recognized how difficult this is for partners. And there was research that came out uh, really about 10, 15 years ago that shows that partners that experience a discovery or a disclosure, like a major betrayal in a relationship, actually have symptoms of PTSD. And difficulty with daily functioning, you know, 72% have functional impairments. So like getting through the day is difficult. Concentrating is difficult. You know, they're, they're uh, emotionally dysregulated and distressed. And I think that has been very underrecognized for many years. And people would often either stigmatize or pathologize partner reactions to that. And minimize partner experience, which is the exact opposite of what I've found to be effective. I think really it's important for us as a culture and for obviously the unfaithful party when working with this to really understand how traumatic this is for their partner and how difficult and devastating this is. And I've found that if you want to keep the couple together that acknowledgement is critical. You know, it's really important for the unfaithful party to really acknowledge their partner has been hurt and the effect that that has on them. Yeah. I I, want to come back to that piece because you're, you're doing something in your work that it seems very, very difficult. You're encouraging folks to lean into this, yeah. to be as disclosing, although it's a, a controlled disclosure we'll talk about in just a little bit, but you're encouraging people to lean into the very area that has been so devastating. And I, th- I think as you're talking, what comes to mind for me is, you know, our first developmental task, you know, Exonia is trust versus mistrust. And in relationships, it's the first thing we develop with each other is, can I trust you or can I not? Is the world going to be a safe place with you? And as you're talking about this, this rupture here, it's, it's really an attachment rupture, isn't it? At its, at its it, deepest level at, and at a, at a traumatic level. And the th- I've, I've read some things you've written around this. It calls into question and causes me to doubt everything that's happened to date within the relationship. Everything gets called into question. And I, I get to wonder even if those things were true as well. It disrupts everything, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Because oftentimes during sexual betrayal, the unfaithful party in an effort to do damage control. They don't want to hurt the partner, right? They don't, they're afraid of the partner's response. 
So they paint an alternative reality of what's happening. And we call that gaslighting, actually, you know, it's, it's a denial of the truth and it makes the person question their sanity because they, on some level, they may have an intuitive feeling that their partner isn't being honest or have some gut feelings that something's not right, but their partner is telling them, no, the sky's not blue. No, it's not blue. Right. Right. And so it's this gaslighting is very crazy making and it causes them to question their reality, the commitment of the relationship. Has this, any of this been real when they start to find out, have you ever really loved me? You know, those very profound questions. And so once they start getting the truth, they have to go through a process of reclaiming reality finding out what actually did happen and putting all those pieces of the puzzle back together. So they know they aren't crazy and they can kind of reclaim their gut instincts, their intuition, start trusting themselves. That's a very important part of the healing process for the partner. That's a hard piece too. When you say it that way, it's almost like I can't trust myself. And when I begin to doubt myself, I'm almost betraying myself by not trusting my own guts, but everything's been called into question. That puzzle, like you said, has been just upset. And now I've got to piece it all together to see really what is real and what's not. You know, under this umbrella of betrayal, it's very easy, I think, for us to associate as sexual infidelity around that. But you're also saying betrayal, under this umbrella of betrayal, can include things like pornography or compulsive or addictive sexual behavior. How is it that you consider those betrayals in a partnered relationship? So I would say, let's just take pornography first, because I would say it's not a betrayal for some couples, right? There's attitudes around pornography are varied in our culture. People have a a very normalizing view of pornography, that this is normal and, and it's very common in certain subgroups of our population, very accepted. And so some couples don't look at that as betrayal. And then there are other couples for whom use of pornography is like an infidelity. It feels just like an infidelity. And so I would just say that you really have to understand this specific couple that you're working with or what your situation and the values and the expectations in that relationship around pornography. Yeah, uh, before yeah. you understand whether that's a betrayal for, for couples. In terms of compulsive sexual behavior or sex addiction, um, as commonly called in our, our culture, typically there's some differences between sex addiction and infidelity. So with sex addiction, with the betrayal, you typically have a lot more instances of betrayal. They tend to be more extensive, more severe, more kind of acute circumstances. There's a, t- a tendency towards uh, accumulation of lots of, of behaviors. So that makes that very difficult for some partners. For infidelity, the thing that I think is the most difficult for in- infidelity is that it's an emotional connection yeah. that the other person has. Did you love that person? Yeah. And there's a lot of comparing that that goes on. You know, why am I Am I not as attractive, not as interesting, not as X, Y, Z as that other person, right? Yeah. So each of these populations has nuances and differences, 
But in terms of responses of betrayal trauma, there's a lot of parallels and similarities between these populations. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Most of us spend more time at work than anywhere else doing anything else. So why not spend that time in a job you love? Introducing Triad's Jobs Marketplace, the only job site dedicated specifically to behavioral and mental health professionals. Featuring more than 1,000 open jobs from dozens of behavioral and mental health employers and searchable by location, professional field, employment type, specialization, and more. Jobs Marketplace helps you find your next career opportunity. Full-time, part-time, or gig-time, make the most of your time. To access Jobs Marketplace, register for your free professional account at hellotriad.com bht. That's hellotriad.com slash B-H-T, and then click to Jobs Marketplace. If you're already a member of the Triad community, visit app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. That's app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. Visit us today and take your next career step tomorrow. Tell me a little bit more about that part. I'm curious about the responses with these foundational ruptures taking place and the emotional experiences you see being expressed by those that are coming in to see you. Tell me about those responses. Well, I mentioned earlier this reclaiming of reality that happens, right? And so a lot of partners will go through a period of time where they're trying to develop a cohesive narrative about what's been happening. And so they will often do what some people will call detective behaviors, you know, to try and figure out what's been going on. I use the term safety seeking because that's really what it is for a lot of these partners is they're trying to determine if that is still going on, you know, what's been happening there, you know, STD exposure, you know, they're trying to put all those pieces of the puzzle back together. And so that's a very common response. There's a lot of emotional dysregulation is very common and it's very normal for partners to, you know, one minute want to seek comfort from from the person that's hurt them because they're distressed and we go to other people to seek comfort and then they'll be triggered and then they'll push them away and then they'll come back and then they'll push them away. We call this attachment ambivalence, right? So they want the connection, but then this is the person that hurt them. So they're, they're going back and forth. They feel oftentimes a great sense of shame around it. Like what's wrong with me, you know, impact on the self-esteem, you know, kind of questioning those kinds of things. There's a tremendous fear in terms of being able to share this with anybody. You know, a lot of people going through betrayal, trauma, feel like they can't talk to anyone about it, or they feel very judged by people that know what's going on. So there's some very common responses that those are just a few. You know, I'd imagine as folks are coming in and they're just feeling just emotionally chaotic inside, both you know, someone who, you know, was a betrayer and someone who got betrayed. I imagine both sides are just emotionally fraught with just, you know, a variety of emotions. And 
I would imagine that some of the front end work that you're doing with them is kind of setting a frame and kind of educating them and helping them kind of both validate and normalize that the things you're in right now that feel so lost or so confusing or so emotionally out of control is actually quite normal. Absolutely. And I want the unfaithful party too to understand that these are normal reactions. So I do what I call betrayal trauma sensitivity training. (laughs) It's like, you need to understand that this is normal, that these responses are normal and help them develop empathic and compassionate responding. Because the way I look at it for couples is, is when a partner is triggered, their, their PTSD is triggered. So like, for example, for partners, any ambiguous situation, any reminder of the sexual betrayal, even things like in the media or in the outside environment can bring up all the memories associated. It's, you know, triggered as a PTSD association, yeah. right? Absolutely. Have a flashback. And it creates a ton of distress for them. And so what ends the typical dynamic in the coupleship is that the partner will come to the unfaithful party and express their distress. And that is for, for the unfaithful party, they feel tremendous guilt. They're afraid of the partner's anger. They don't know how to respond. They get flooded. And so they tend to try and minimize, evade, you know, not lean in, as you were saying earlier, the typical response is to try and avoid. Right. It's sort of counterintuitive to lean Part in. Part of the idea is if I lean into that with you, it's we're only, we're going to have a double drowning here. We're it's both going to go down. It's yeah. going to go worse. It's going to go worse. Yeah, but that's the opposite because what I've found is the way I present it to my the addicts, you typically I work with sex addicts, but also I, you know, the unfaithful party when I'm working with infidelity is I say, every time your partner is triggered or upset about this, it's an opportunity. Yeah. So you look at it as an opportunity to show up in the relationship and be there for them in their distress. We're trying to repair that attachment disruption. So if they can lean in and listen, even though it's hard and provide empathy with their experiences, it's a repair attempt that's more likely to work. So this vulnerability, this compassion, this empathic attunement or understanding you're encouraging to develop, that's a big ask. Yes. (laughs) It is. When we're emotionally triggered with the content we're in and our defenses that pop up and the flooding piece, that's a lot of work, isn't it? That's got to require a lot of holding in those moments. The book Courageous Love, (laughs) (laughs) because this takes courage and this takes hard work. It takes some grit, doesn't it? It does. And what I tell my couples is, it, this is a long-term process. It's very important to understand that this is like a three to sometimes five-year process for couples. Yes. Yes. And that can be hard to think about, but, you know, like it can be daunting to think about, but, you know, every year gets a little better, but mm-hmm. it takes time to restore trust a lot of time. I tell my addicts, I say, the only thing you can do to restore trust is reliable behavior over time. You got to suit up, show up, be where you say you're going to be, do what, be impeccable with your word, be there, be present over and over and over again. 
And I really appreciate, Stephanie, you, you kind of putting a couple of things in real kind of data-driven ways. One is this is not a short-term process. This is a literally three to five-year journey together with the goal of healing and rebuilding trust. And I love what you're saying. For me, trust is very similar. Trust is information over time. I get to see you across different situations, people, places, et cetera, over and over again with what you're talking about, reliable, repeatable behaviors that I can see that okay, you're really working at this and I can see this trust build over time because of the information you give me. But that time frame is an important thing for people to right-size this process, isn't it? Yeah, because a lot of times, well, especially people in recovery, you know, they'll think, I'm doing so well. They'll realize, especially like if they're working hard in therapy, they're doing trauma work, they're feeling like they've had a total transformation. And why can't my partner see that, Right. And that's all well and good, but for them, they've been in the dark for however you know many years. They haven't known what's going on and they just found out. So their world gets shattered. Their rug gets pulled out from underneath of them and they have to digest all of this and put this all back together. And it's unrealistic for that to happen in less than a couple of years. I, I don't see that happening as a regular course, just with couples, it just takes a lot of time. And if the unfaithful party can be effective in their responses with their partner, and you know, obviously both parties have to work on this. It's not all the responsibility of the unfaithful party, but their responses, if they are able to embrace things like being open, honest, transparent, accountable, you know, remorseful, the whole these, you know, the the vulnerability, yeah. those important kind of responses, the hypervigilance and the PTSD will go down for the partner. So it's a system. Right? Stephanie, that's that, that that's such an, an important piece here. It's almost counterintuitive. If we lean into it, we're going to get more burned. If we lean into it, it's going to be more difficult. I'm going to make it worse. If I ask, how are you feeling today? Or did you get triggered today? Or if I bring it to my partner, I'm the one that had the you know boundary cross. I bring it to them and they're going to pull away. They're going to get angry at me because I'm not healing faster. And yet what you're saying is such an important piece that I love our listeners to have as a takeaway. It's actually leaning in with vulnerability, which operationalized looks like all those things you just mentioned. Yeah. That is the path through what has been so damaged. Right. Yeah. Well, that, it, and I would say that a really, really important piece is that what I've found is that it's important for the hurt person to be able to express their pain yeah. in a very meaningful way. Yeah. Like they need to be able to communicate the areas that have been most painful for them in an effective way, not, you know, lashing out in anger or rage or all of that, but to communicate their pain and for the unfaithful person to really hear that mm -hmm. and, and acknowledge that they've heard it and that they get it. If you can understand how much this hurt me, then maybe it'll be safe enough for me to come back into the relationship. Folks, pardon the interruption, but we'll continue this discussion on our next show. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Stephanie Carnes, for coming on the show today. For more information about Stephanie's book, Courageous Love, A Couple's Guide to Conquering Betrayal, please visit iitap.com slash page slash courageous underscore love.
If you're a therapist and looking for more training in sexual behavior, please visit the International Institute for Trauma and Addiction Professionals and their website at IITAP.com. If you're looking for residential treatment for sexual behavior, please visit The Meadows at TheMeadows.com. And lastly, I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time on Behavior Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.